Hey, this is Brother Bill, and you're listening to the Wandering Buffalo Podcast with your hosts, Andrew and Justin. Go Bills! Bills Mafia, welcome into another episode of the Wandering Buffalo Podcast, a show on the built-in Buffalo Network. My name is Justin. I will be your host tonight. Um, my co-host Andrew has the day off, um, so we just want to bring you the show still, some Bills-related news to get to. Uh, we've been doing the 13 reasons to be optimistic for, for the future of the Bills, um, so we'll get into that. Uh, but first, um, you can find us on any social media by searching The Wandering Buffalo. Um, we are on YouTube, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much anywhere where you can get a podcast, you can find us. I uh, hope you're enjoying your day, and thanks for joining us again. Uh, I know personally out here in Rochester, New York, we got this first taste of full spring. It's about 61 degrees outside, so really about to get out there and enjoy the day, but wanted to make sure we're bringing you the, the Bills news going on this week, and, and we're going to start off with that. Um, so there's uh, Tyler Dunn had a report that came out this week that was, I guess, a little troubling. Um, basically highlighting kind of um, getting a little bit more information as to the last 13 seconds of that Bills-Chiefs game. Um, And this is something that we haven't really heard much about thus far, right? It's kind of been the season ended and there was no uh, media staff allowed at locker room cleanout day. It's it's kind of been mums the word on this. Um, And then we first see... You know, Dable going to the Giants. There comes out a report um, with the with the whole Brian Flores deal about you know McDermott kind of being tough to deal with, and Dable was thinking about leaving anyways. Um, then Tyler Dunn reports that you know there was some friction in the locker room, um, just overall poor communication for that last thirteen seconds where. Um, he called a squib kick. McDermott called uh, for the kick to go through the end zone. And in that communication, uh, Tyler Bass never really got the change of plans to be doing a, a squib kick. Um, and there's there was some other things in there, um, kind of just overall um, poor management at the end of the game, um, which is something we've kind of seen from Sean McDermott at times. Um Gets a little too conservative, gets a little too cute in the big moments, and kind of out coaches himself. Um, so I see a lot of people making a really big deal about this. You know, oh, is there a giant riff in the locker room? You know, is this going to cascade into next season? And my personal stance on this is yeah, I would rather not be getting this kind of news about the team uh, in the offseason here. But I also feel like it's kind of the the slow time of the news cycle where, you know, anything people can get their hands on uh, becomes a big story. And we see these kinds of stories come and go throughout the offseason. We saw, you know, the reports of Kyler Murray, you know, not being a good teammate, yada, yada. And that's that's kind of fallen by the wayside a little bit. And, you know, these stories keep getting cycled and replaced with new ones and, I guess my overall feeling is, yeah, there is probably some some teammate altercations in the locker room following that loss. You know, these are 
hyper competitive athletes that just lost in a devastating fashion. Um, so that type of thing doesn't surprise me at all. It, it honestly would be more concerning to me if everybody walked off the field and everything was all hunky dory. Um, so it's kind of a little troublesome to hear, but I also feel like this type of thing isn't going to go away until the team is back on the field and competing and winning games. And, you know, there's the old adage of winning cures everything. And I think that's so true that, you know, all these little squabbles, the the problems people have with each other, all that kind of goes away once you start winning on the field. So I guess we'll kind of see what else comes out on this story. Um, for me personally, there there was some stuff that I I didn't love reading, but it also wasn't all that surprising to me. You know, the like I said, the players competing at the top level, you know, having having some arguments after the game. I I think that's a completely normal thing to happen. Um, some other news coming out of One Bills Drive this week. It looks like the training camp is going to be moving back to St. John Fisher, which. I guess I'm kind of divided on as as somebody that lives in Rochester. It's really exciting to me. Um, but also with we kind of talked about this last year with the facilities that they've put in in Orchard Park. Um, it kind of almost doesn't make sense going away. You know, they have that um, top grade training and um, rehab facilities in the building. Um, so kind of moving up the road to Rochester in my mind, is just like a standard Bills fan doesn't make all that much sense. Um, that being said, you know, having it at Fisher, it's a 15-minute ride up the road. I'll definitely be in attendance for a few of those practices. Um, but even even last year, I made it out for a training camp practice, and it's just not the same atmosphere as when I've gone at Fisher. You know, you're you're sitting in the stands versus you know right being right up against the fence, and it just kind of feels to me in Orchard Park like you're at a shitty exhibition game um, versus Orchard Park. It, it's so more so much more tangible. The players come around, they sign autographs. Uh, you really feel like you're you're involved in the day. Um, so I like it. I like it as a fan for that aspect. Um, but as far as for the football team, I don't know. I don't know that there's much on the positive side to really, you know, need to move up the street anymore. It's it's not something a lot of teams do at this point. And um, talking to Andrew before I jumped on today, he was kind of hinting at you know maybe this is getting towards the last hurrah before you know we have the new stadium and. And everything is held there. So I, I guess we'll kind of see where that goes. But for the time being, as as a fan in Rochester, I'm I'm pretty stoked about it. I'll be I'll be in attendance to as many of them as I can. Um, but overall, and it doesn't really move the needle for me in either direction. And honestly, probably makes more sense to to stay in Orchard Park. So I guess we'll see how that goes. And then the other big piece of news which is going to lead into um, the 13 reasons why we're excited segment Uh, Cole Beasley requesting a trade this week and I guess we never really fully get to see what happens behind closed doors Um, 
but reports coming out that this was not um, initiated by the Bills asking him to take a pay cut or anything, that this was initiated from Cole Beasley's camp. Um, so I guess it's it's kind of confusing to me of, you know, an aging receiver on a team that's going to be at least in the talks of competing for a championship, you know, a pretty stacked roster. Um, I guess to me it's kind of, are you going to try to chase a ring somewhere else or are you trying to, you know, get one more money grab at a decent contract? Um, personally, I, I don't really know where I stand on it. I don't think I don't think Beasley was going to come back on the same contract that he has. Um, I do still think he offers value to to any team in the NFL. He is still a top end slot receiver, um, but I don't know if this points to you know maybe there are some rifts in the locker room. Maybe for some reason he's choosing to move on rather than you know kind of try to run it back here for one more year. Um, certainly looks like he won't be back and and with Isaiah McKenzie and Emmanuel Sanders in the balance um kind of creates some holes at receiver so i guess it'll be interesting to see how it plays out and what the compensation looks like and you know at the end of the day him requesting a trade doesn't necessarily mean that he's gone um the bills have given him permission to seek that trade, um, but he's also still under contract. So, you know, there's got to be a trade partner that's willing to do a deal and it has to make sense to the bills as well. Um, so if, I mean, if Beasley's kind of pointed out the fact that he doesn't want to be in town anymore, I think it's likely that he moves, um, but it's, there's nothing saying that the bills have to move him um, just because he requested a trade. So that'll be an interesting storyline that'll play out over the next couple months leading into the draft, and I guess we'll kind of see where that goes. Um, We're going to take a quick break right now. When we jump back on, we will jump into the number six reason to be optimistic for next year. Stick around. Hey, this is Bill's Vader. Now back to the show. All right, Bills Mafia, welcome back, and thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Wandering Buffalo Podcast. Again, my name is Justin. I am your host tonight. Andrew has the night off. He'll be joining us next week. And just want to dive back into our 13 Reasons to be Optimistic for Next Year segment that we've been doing. And I'm just going to fire this up with a uh, quick recap of the first five items that we've talked about. If you missed any of the shows, go back and listen to them, just kind of discussing where the team stands, what the future looks like, um, what changes we expect, and and why those changes get us excited. Um, so Andrew kicked us off on the first week with um, Brandon Bean, um, just the way he builds the roster, the way he's been able to maneuver with contracts, uh, make trades for players that looked like they weren't going to be on the roster. Um Followed it up with Gabe Davis on on the second reason. Um, just kind of the tail end of last season, he really started to blossom and and come into his own. And we saw that a bit in his rookie season. And then year two, he was kind of quiet for a while and then kind of came bursting onto the scene. Obviously had that historic night against the Chiefs 
Um, so I, I guess kind of seeing the direction he's headed and, and wanting to know where that goes is why I was optimistic there. Um, Andrew had the following week with um, the return of Trey White and kind of just the overall um, training and medical staff that we have in Buffalo and how they treat the players and, you know, making sure that the players are feeling right and not kind of forcing them back in when they're kind of dealing with a nagging injury, giving them that extra time to, to make sure that they're healthy and looking out for the best interests of the players versus just the team. Um, the following week, I had the changes coming on the D-line. Um, this one is kind of going to be similar to what I'm talking about tonight. Um, and this isn't necessarily one that pops off the page as something to be optimistic about. Uh, I think this is somewhere where we have needs and we didn't get enough out of our pass rush last year. And we have um, aging defensive ends in Addison and Hughes. And do we bring them back? And we have Harrison Phillips up for a contract when he just finally started coming onto the scene. Um, Vernon Butler's likely out of town. Um, so kind of my reason for optimism there was what we've seen in the past two, three seasons from this D-line really hasn't been enough. And it's been a lot with these same players. Um, so this is kind of, in my opinion, a chance to, I guess, rebuild, retool. And Brandon Bean hasn't shied away from you know, committing to the trenches. Um, so kind of seeing what he does to to attack these positions of need again. And just the idea of what could change there is something that brings me optimism. And then last week, we talked about Buffalo being the place to be. And kind of just the recent history of how free agents didn't want to come here and we would have to overpay free agents to get them in the building. And once they were here, did they want to stay? Um, talked about players like Sammy Watkins, Marshawn Lynch, you know, these top caliber players, Stefan Gilmore. Um, that just, whether it was the culture, the town, the lack of winning, a combination of everything, just struggling to get players in the building and also um, keeping them here once we had them. Um, and just the, the shift that we've seen over the past few few years with McDermott and being in the building, uh, this being a competitive team and this being, you know, somewhere where no longer are we forced to overpay to get people to come here and kind of limited as to who we can get to come here. Um, it's more now we have options of... Um, you see a guy like Emmanuel Sanders come in on a low deal. You see Mitch Trubisky come in and take peanuts. Um, Levi Wallace coming back last year. Isaiah McKenzie saying that he would sign for for uh, Candy. Uh, all those, a lot of those players are internal and returning. But there's also, you know, the fact of the matter that yeah, they might not have commanded huge contracts on on the market. But if you're talking a difference of you know, even a couple million dollars, that's, it's, it's nothing to spit at, you know, that's, it's still a good chunk of change. And 
not only are we able to bring in people from the outside now, we're also able to retain our players. Uh, so again, if you missed any of those um, talking points that we had, go back, check out our previous shows. Um, just kind of diving over reasons that we're looking forward to next season and the future with the Bills. And I kind of touched on this um, with the defensive line point and Cole Beasley earlier in the episode. And my next reason for optimism with this Bills team is the wide receiver room. And amidst everything that I kind of already talked about with Cole Beasley requesting a trade, um, Emmanuel Sanders likely retiring, Isaiah McKenzie being a free agent, and you know whether or not we want him back, and if we did want him back, what that price tag might be. Um, so this one is kind of similar to the defensive line for me, um, that it's it's kind of a strange reason to be optimistic um, when it seems like we've had a stable of receivers for the past few seasons, and now we're kind of looking at Diggs and uh, Gabe Davis and possibly not much else there. Um, the reason I get excited here is while I love Cole Beasley and... I would love for him to be back on the right deal. I think he kind of came in and alongside um, John Brown kind of served their purpose for what we are looking for in that that veteran receiver um, that could kind of help bring along Josh Allen in his early years. You know, we went from street free agents in Josh Allen's rookie year. We brought in Kelvin Benjamin and... Just the upgrade in talent really kind of helped Josh Allen's development. And it's not to say that I don't think Josh Allen needs top talent at wide receiver at this point. I think it definitely would still be beneficial. But I do think he's gotten to the point as a quarterback where he has the ability to elevate the receivers that you put out there. Um, we've seen this with you know Tom Brady and the Patriots. You know How many no-name receivers did they have that you know, kind of had career years with the Patriots and, and went elsewhere because Tom Brady was able to make them better players. Um, but the reason I'm excited here is, you know, if we do have this change in talent, um, in particular with Beasley requesting a trade, because I, I was kind of banking on him being back next year, I think that this kind of possibly forces Bean's hand in being a little bit more aggressive with acquiring a receiver and I do still think we bring in an Emmanuel Sanders type player um, you know somebody that's getting a little bit older that you know wants to chase a ring you know get one more contract play with a great quarterback but I think the significant possible losses at the position might also prompt them to put that as uh, more priority free, free agent signing um, possibly addressing it a little bit earlier in the draft, and I'm, I'm thinking about you know sitting at pick 25, and you know even in the second round, third round, some of the receivers coming out in this draft. If you were able to really you know hit on a stud that could play against Stefan Diggs for the next four or five years or so, and continue developing in the pipeline there, um, while bringing in cheap labor with Josh Allen's contract kicking in. I think that the news of this Beasley requesting a trade might kind of accelerate that time frame and maybe make it happen a year 
earlier than we expected. Um, also looking through the depth chart, you know, some of the guys that we have that we haven't really seen yet. Um, Isaiah Hodgins, who has been a camp darling. He struggled with some injuries. Um, when he came out, he was, by a lot of people's metrics, supposed to be a better receiver than Gabe Davis. Uh, I mean, it doesn't always pan out that way, but knowing that the pedigree is there and we haven't really been able to see him in live action, you know, maybe he was just a bust. Maybe, you know, he's been developing quietly and we see him kind of play a big slot role this year and and take take a little bit of a workload um, to bring to the team. Um, also looking at a guy like Marquez Stevenson, um, he's got that blinding speed and we only ever really saw him come in last year for some spot duties at return um, where he struggled. You know, maybe that's not the position that we see him in. Um, but getting some opportunities to be that speed threat, you know, maybe McKenzie walks out the door and we see McKenzie, or I'm sorry, Stevenson used in some of those jet sweeps, some of the field stretching, um, being a man beater. Um, just having him in the building for one year and not really getting a great look at him. You now, maybe with some of these possible departures, we get to take an extended look at Marquez Stevenson and maybe he does have that talent to stick around. Um, I I think it's going to be a combination of, like I said, a, a free agent coming in. Um, Cordero Patterson is somebody that I have my eye on. I know he's a little bit older and his season last year was kind of, you know, the anomaly in his career. Um, but we're talking a guy that really did everything and if for nothing else but to sure up the punt return and kick returning duties and and do some gadget plays, that's somebody that I'd be interested in bringing into the building as kind of that little bit older veteran that that can just have some steady play and be smart with the ball in the return game. And then I'd be looking to draft somebody maybe in the one of the top three rounds. Um, there's a lot of needs on this team when you look at the defensive line, um, the cornerback situation with, you know, Levi Wallace being a free agent and, and Trey White likely to miss at least part of the season next year. You know, we're, we're pretty thin there. Um, D-tackle, uh, maybe offensive line. Um, but I think wide receiver is one of the most important positions on this team with a quarterback like Josh Allen, um, where your offense can, you know, score 30, 40 points, um, win a shootout. You know, maybe maybe the defense can take a little bit of a backseat to make sure uh, that that pantry is full of receivers for Josh Allen. Um, this offense has shown that, and there could be com- uh, some tweaking coming with Dorsey, um, but I expect to see a pretty similar offense um, where it's very wide receiver-based. You know, you get Dawson Knox in the mix, who I I almost kind of consider, you know, like half half tight end, half receiver, um, with the way he can move. Um, but just the opportunity that we have of Gabe Davis kind of being forced into a bigger role at this point, and then being able to retool some of the depth there. And like I said, it's kind of strange to say because going into the season the last couple of years, it's been 
you know, one of the most intriguing camp battles has been like wide receiver five, six, seven, and you know, how many are we going to keep and, you know, who's going to do what roles on special teams and whatnot. And this year, it's I think it's going to look different where we're kind of just rounding out that fifth receiver, maybe a sixth one um, with special teams duties. And I think what happens this off offseason will really give us a chance to to make significant improvements, um, but also show us, you know, if we don't see Isaiah Hodgins this year, he doesn't have it. Um, with all the situations going on with um, with receivers possibly leaving, if we don't see Stevenson this year, I'm not optimistic for his future. Um, so I think this kind of also forces the team's hand in really evaluating what is currently on the roster and and what moves we have to do, what moves we have to move making uh, going forward. And like I said earlier, with with Josh Allen's contract numbers about to start hitting, um, the idea of signing some of these receivers that come up in free agency. And I, I had a buddy this past weekend talking to me about, oh, well, is Dallas really going to cut Amari Cooper? And would you be interested in for the bill, like, yeah, that, any team out there would be silly to say that they wouldn't be interested in Amari Cooper. Um, but the reality of the situation is the the cap numbers that we're up against and Josh Allen's contract kicking in and possibly having to extend Edmonds and Stefan Diggs is due for a raise. Going after these top names in free agency at receiver, it, it's right up there with like cornerback and defensive end these these top flight receivers go for about 20 million dollars a season and it's really just becomes unrealistic um so i i like the idea of having to draft some young guys and get them in the building and being able to fill out the roster that way and really draft and develop and re-sign your own guys um and i i think that we still see that aging veteran signing this year. Um, but that probably ends up being the end of needing to do that. You have veteran leadership and guys like Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs at that point. And it's, it, that ends up being like the savvy veteran voice in the room that, you know, you bring in with an Emmanuel Sanders, um, a Cole Beasley. Um, so I, I think all of these things compiled together, um, at a at a first glance, it kind of looks like we're in a much worse situation than we were last year, which honestly, as it stands right now, we very well could be. Um, but the idea of there being the opportunities and the swings at the plate that we can take to make a position group that was already great on this team into an even bigger strength. And that is why I'm looking forward to um, the receiver group going forward and what it looks like. That's going to wrap it up for today's show. I thank you again for joining me tonight. Um, again, this is the Wandering Buffalo podcast. We are brought to you by the Built-In Buffalo Network. Uh, if you ever want to hit us up, get on the show. We're always looking for guests. If you have any feedback on you know, what we're optimistic about, what you might be optimistic about, something you think we're missing... Um, hit us up. Um, you can find us on any social medias. Just search up the Wandering Buffalo podcast. 
Uh, if you want to get in touch with myself directly, you can find me on any social media at jgods22. And you can find my co-host, Andrew, on social media at 2 Changs. It's going to wrap it up for this week. Thanks again for tuning in, and we will talk to you next week. Go Bills! Go Bills!